there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one spooky page of Talmud a day. You heard me, spooky. Why? Because it's October, my absolute favorite month of the year. Everywhere you go, there are skeleton decorations and jack-o'-lanterns and fake cobwebs, all awaiting the arrival of Halloween. And on TV, you could find a cornucopia of very scary movies. My absolute favorite genre. Why do I love horror films so much? Well, I'll let the Talmud explain it. Because today, in Ketubot 106, we get a story worthy of Edgar Allan Poe. Once upon a midnight dreary, we're told, there was a rabbi named Rav Anan. A man comes to him and asks him to decide in some legal dispute. The man also offers him a gift of some tasty fish. Ravanan refuses the snack. If I accept these treats, he tells the man, I will be accused of having received some form of payment from you and therefore of not being able to judge your case fairly. The man argues eloquently that he merely wanted to fulfill the mitzvah or commandment of honoring those sages who study the Torah. And Ravanan is convinced. He eats the fish, but he sends the man away, sends him over to his pal Rav Nachman with a letter asking Rav Nachman to be the judge in the man's case. Rav Nachman looks at the letter and thinks, if the great Ravanan sent this man to me, it must mean that he can't judge the case himself because the man is his relative or something. So Rav Nachman, who was already hearing another case, really wanted to honor Ravanan. So he immediately took on the new case. Seeing this, the other litigant in the lawsuit felt despondent. If Rav Nachman is so eager to hear this case, he thought, it must mean that he'd already decided in favor of the other party. Nervous, he stammered, argued his case poorly, and lost it. So far, so good, if a bit complicated. A few confusing coincidences, some misunderstandings, nothing out of the ordinary. But then the Talmud takes a turn for the much darker. Rav Anan, the Talmud tells us, would enjoy regular rendezvous with the prophet Elijah, who would come and teach him some divine wisdom. One day, Elijah stops showing. Rav Anan puts two and two together. He realizes that his behavior, wanting to make sure that the man received fair judgment, sending him to Rav Nachman, but then as a result of some misunderstanding, having Rav Nachman think that the man was his relative and therefore spooking the other person in the lawsuit, Rav Anan realizes that his behavior, however well-intentioned, led to a man failing to have a fair hearing in court and therefore to a miscarriage of justice. Ravanan fasts and begs for forgiveness. And eventually, Elijah comes back. But when he does, he looks, well, he looks like something out of a horror movie. When Elijah came after that, the Talmud tells us, he would scare him and he would appear in frightening forms. Poor Rav Anan is so terrified that he builds a special custom-made box and sits in it just so he may feel protected and safe from this monstrously shaped prophet. What are we to make of the story? If you've watched any of the horror classics, you may already have an inkling. All of us, or at least all of us who aren't psychopathic ghouls, know perfectly well the difference between real good and real evil. 
We know that helping a little old lady, for example, cross the road is great. We know that hurting an animal or, God forbid, a child is terrible. We need no primers on basic morality. But slide just a little bit further into the gray zone, and we all arch our backs and rush to our own defense. Tell your friend she'd hurt you in some way, and, more likely than not, she'd offer some kind of apology, but then immediately add some caveat, some explanation that contains some form of self-exoneration. I didn't know this thing I did would hurt you. I had all the best intentions. I'm not really at fault here. This is why the most common and, frankly, lousiest form of apology goes something like, I'm so sorry you feel this way. When we utter such explanations, we're not being jerks. We're just being human. And as today's page of Talmud shows us, being human means navigating a thicket of interactions which we don't always understand and in which we can't always find a well-lit path out. It means making honest mistakes, causing pain when we don't mean to, messing it up when we'd hoped to do nothing but good. And there is nothing more terrifying than watching your best intentions go horribly bad. This, I think, is why virtually all horror movie classics revolve around some form of tragic accident. The baddies are almost never heartless, soulless monsters who murder because it gives them some sort of perverse pleasure. Freddy Krueger, for example, the pizza-faced demon who haunted the nightmares of those kids on Elm Street, he was the son of a rape survivor who was seriously abused by his adoptive father. Jason Voorhees, he was a mentally disabled young boy abandoned by his camp counselors to drown in Crystal Lake before returning from the dead, putting on that hockey mask, grabbing that machete, and committing some carnage on Friday the 13th. And the newly released final installment of the Halloween film franchise, or at least final for now, begins with a sweet teenager accidentally killing the bratty boy he was babysitting and quickly becoming the town's pariah. You can only guess how he ends up. These monsters are so terrifying because they're not really monsters at all. There, but for the grace of God, go we. Each of us might have, given a few turns of the wheel, ended up precisely where they'd been, subjected to the same accidents of fate and responding, maybe, with a similarly wrathful indignity. We need horror movies for the same reason Rav Anan needed a good frightening from Elijah, to scare us straight, to remind us that the work of being good and just and moral doesn't consist simply of making obvious and easy calls, but of constantly asking ourselves what we might have done, even without realizing it, even or especially while meaning nothing but the best to cause someone, somewhere, some hurt. Otherwise, we ourselves run the risk of becoming, if not monsters, then something that still falls far short of being fully and gloriously human. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. 
Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Rusquet and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic and we will see you again soon. Soon.